0: Oh well, Father's Day, and again just um, if you've slipped back in and uh, you haven't felt like you've been celebrated, we want to celebrate fathers today, amen. And um, fathers in every sense of the word, Um, and there's so many different uh, concepts that we can have about fathers. Um, uh, I guess even memories, Uh, we we look at sometimes the memories that we have of our father, I look back on my father uh, with a great love, he was uh, uh, unfortunately taken way too soon as far as our family is concerned. He, he uh, passed on to be with the Lord in 2004 and um, uh, he would come home from work as I was just a little, uh, a little tacker. He would come home from work smelling like pencils. Every time he came home he smelt like he'd been around a box full of pencils because he had. And um, he, he was a draftsman, a civil engineering draftsman. And back in those days, uh, all the drawings were done with pencils. So he'd be sharpening pencils all day long. And that smell of those pencils would get on his clothes. And I used to love, you know, rushing up to him when he came in the back door after coming home from work and just grabbing his arm and going, smelling those pencils on him. You know? I and was, I was always glad to see him. And, uh, yeah, that, before the days of CAD. And uh, all those things, I think he t- just got a little inkling that that was around the corner, and uh, he retired um, back in the I think it was the early 90s that he actually retired. So, but um, it was uh, interesting days, and uh, you know I love my dad, despite my uh, despite being very acquainted, very acquainted with his faults, um, and of course uh, was uh, in my in my early teens had to struggle with him with his alcoholism and um, that was something that that robbed him of uh, some of the some of his better days uh, were robbed by uh, an unfortunate uh, connection and, and an addiction to alcohol. Um, uh, I think I've shared before a lot of the folk that are in this church you know that my mother died when I was uh, 13 years old and it was taken from us and And uh, it was just that crucial moment where our family were all growing older and of course my, my um, Uh, Brother was 15 and we had a couple of years of just being in the household of our father and unfortunately a lot of that was bender drinking and just, you know, him coming and going uh, uh, in rehab and trying to get himself back together again and within a short period of time my my father had, um, uh, I should say my brother had uh, uh, become uh, an on-campus university student uh, so as soon as he could, he was out of there, 17 uh, my older sister had married, uh, some might say quite young, but she was out of there. And so by the time I was 15, I was driving my dad around. And of course, uh, <laughs> i just tell you a little funny joke there. I drove my, um, I drove my dad one, one weekend up to Wongan Hills because my auntie, his sister, lived up in Wongan Hills and it was an ideal place for him to dry out because she wouldn't let him get any alcohol. You see, so she'd just dry him out. And then he could get back on his feet and go back to work again. And I would usually um, uh, have to go down and talk to his boss about letting him come back on again. And, and I, I did that once or twice. But, um, you know, my father, uh, through it all, was a happy drunk. You know, I loved him anyway, uh, through his faults. And, but anyway, I drove up one time and I drove my dad all the way through a storm all the way up to Wongan Hills and I must admit it was quite a, a time that I was actually drawing near to God too, you know, because I, I just, uh, you know, just the, the way it was. Uh, I must have been 16 I think at that time and uh, got him to Wongan Hills and of course got him settled and slept the night I think and then I was going to drive back to Perth because I needed to be back at work and um, I was already working at 16 and and uh and left him there and of course as i was driving uh, about to drive away on the trip back to perth about a two-hour drive my auntie says so okay uh, good on you pete we'll get him right and just encouraging me you know and i said yeah i know it'll be good and uh, and i said i'll just have to watch out for cops on the way home mm-hmm. and she says cops why you know she... i said well Auntie thelma i'm only 16 <laughs> i haven't got my license and um, she just, just about fell over, you know. She, she just hadn't put it together that I was driving without my license. But you know what? I was looking after my dad. Amen. I look back on those days and I think, you know, fathers are important to us. We've got to have them in our life. Amen. You know, it says in First Corinthians 4 and verse 15, it says, "It tells us that we have many teachers, but not many fathers. And um, that's both on, a, on a, a natural level and also on a spiritual level. We can teach. Um, we can all teach. We can all find a way of teaching and learning how to teach. And, you know, uh, we can all do that. But the Bible says very clearly that fathering heart connection is something different, something different. And in the church, it means that we have those that will nurture and propel us into our God-given future. And those that will give us information to grow by. There's nothing wrong with being a teacher, but God needs fathers in the church that will nurture. And, um, you know, but we have a few comparisons here. Just, just listen to these comparisons. Um, I think I don't think I've got my clicker out. Just give me a moment there. You know, uh, teachers will be motivated by illumination. But fathers will be motivated by transformation. Just see the difference here. Make a note. God, the Father's always wanting to bring transformation into our lives. Teachers will look out for students who will learn from them, whereas fathers look for sons and daughters who will lay lay down their lives. There's a big difference between fathers and teachers. Teachers will have uh, an intellectual connection, whereas fathers will have a heart connection. And of course, teachers uh, love to see others learn, whereas fathers love to see sons and daughters minister. Some spiritual truths there, and they're making that that difference. It's worth noting that the last verse of the scripture in the Old Testament, uh, the last very last verse. And of course, we were in prayer this morning, and. Uh, Jen brought that up and I said, you're picking my sermon to pieces, um, Pastor Jen, you know, uh, could you leave it alone? And then Jess started and she picked another verse out of my sermon today. And I'm just thinking, well, we're all in sync. It's just so beautiful. Malachi 4 and verse 6 is this. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. It's that turning, that turning of hearts to one another. And it um, says, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. You know, we spent uh, some time last week again clarifying how in Christ, as sons and daughters of God, we are one. We become one in him. Our spiritual uh, kingdom identity is one that unites us. Um, and we also touched in on women in leadership. Of course, we announced Pastor Jess being commissioned, uh, coming into October, October the 15th, I believe the, d- the date was, or was it the 13th? But it's that Sunday, and, uh, and of course being commissioned uh, here at Victory Life Broom as associate pastor, so if you didn't hear that news, come and ask one of us, we'll tell you a little bit about it. But um, uh, we, we, we recognise it's not about being male or female, it's actually about calling an anointing. and anointing. Uh, and of course the, the grace goes with that. Some may ask, how could a woman be a father? What's easy. They connect with the Father's heart. Amen? Connect with the Father's heart and start coming out of that place. You know, our Heavenly Father um, is, is uh, a God that uh, shares His heart with us. And we can connect with His heart. And, of course, you know, whether you're male or female, you can have a Father's heart, our Heavenly Father's heart. You know, a Victory Life uh, Broom, uh, we say, is a church with a purpose. And uh, we've understood... Uh, by the Spirit of God, that that purpose is to raise up sons and daughters, Amen. And um, you know it's it, it, and those sons and daughters will have the Father's heart as they are raised up. They'll connect with the Father's heart and see as the Father sees. And I want you to know that's not me. I'm not that Father. It's our Heavenly Father. You know you you have to realize that when God's got a problem, He usually sends in a son. And that's what He did in the earth, didn't He? He sent his son. Fathers send sons and propel them into their calling. You know, mature sons and daughters are ready, uh, are, are ready uh, um, uh, to father others. That's what mature sons and daughters do. They, 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 they actually father others. And, um, and, of course, for the Lord to turn their heart toward others, fathers nurture others. They don't just add them to their Facebook friends list. You know, there's a nurturing that goes on. And, uh, and of course, we need to be prayerful about that. These are, um, when you talk about sons and daughters, we're talking about prayerful, spirit-empowered believers who walk with the Lord daily, led by the Spirit. And, of course, we touched in on a little bit on this last week. As Christians, ethnic background is no longer our identity. As Christians, our station in life, rich or poor, Uh, The Bible talks about slave or free. Rich or poor is no longer our identity. Our sex, male or female, in Christ is no longer our identity. And whilst the Bible relates to those differences, teaches on those differences, um, we should see that it's God's eternal purpose from the very foundation of the earth was to unite us in Christ, to make us one break down all those differences. God's design in Christ was to bring many sons to glory. Hebrews 2 talks about that. That was his design in Christ, to bring many sons to glory. And, and Galatians chapter 3, and we looked at this, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Great truth to get a hold of, but it's through these truths that we understand that we're to have a fa- our Father's heart, we're to gain it. And when we do, when we start connecting with that heart, the life of the spiritual opens up to us because we begin to see as the Father sees. Amen. Amen. When we come to Christ by faith, our standing as sons and daughters is based on the same faith that justified Abraham. And we can read about that, you know, different places. But the same righteousness that he uh, that he obtained, we obtain. It was righteousness by faith, and of course, it's the very foundation of the Christian church is righteousness by faith. You know, uh, not just being as good as you can be. Amen. Right standing with God by faith is a very foundation of uh, uh, New Testament life. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. It's really quite interesting, it's talking about our saving faith, that, again, brings us to the place of right standing with God. And then also this access that we have by faith into his promises, the life that we're called to leave. And I tell you, there's a truth here to take away. And uh, if you'll take it, God wants us to reign in life through Jesus Christ by faith. God wants us to be like we're living uh, as reigning in life. You know, above the circumstances, not under the circumstances. Above every situation, reigning in life through Jesus Christ, through righteousness, through our right standing with him. You know, in the eyes of the Lord, the faith that saved us is the same faith that saved Abraham. And through faith in Christ, we become Abraham's seed. It's good news. Galatians 3.10, we'll have a look at that. It says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. If you're under the works of the law, you're under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law. That's where the curse is, because you can't. You can't make it all right by ticking all those boxes and saying, I'm good. You can't, you're not going to make it. Look what it says in verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. And I like that last verse because it tells us that there is no wrong in the law. But we must understand we're not saved by it. We're saved by faith and not by the work of keeping the law. The gospel is good news, isn't it? Amen. I'm glad. I'm glad about this. And then, of course, it goes on in verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's a cross. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Wow. Wow. And the promise of the Spirit, what are we talking about? Well, it relates to the outpouring of God's Spirit in our midst. You know, uh, God's great design uh, in our shift from the old covenant to the new covenant was to send the Holy Spirit, to be our helper, our parakletos. The, the Greek word for uh, the Holy Spirit, is uh, uh, it's called the comforter, is the Greek word, parakletos. And what it actually means is one called to your side to take up together with you against. He's a helper. He's a comforter. And we've got to get to know him in the Christian church and be sensitive to him. Another verse, and we're sort of going back in Galatians a little bit here, but it says this in verse 7, it says, Therefore now know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture for that God would justify the Gentiles, that's us, as any Jewish people here, uh, that's us, we're the Gentiles. God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Here we are, justified in the sight of God, not because we've been keeping the law real good lately. We're not justified in the sight of God by that at all. But it says, would justify the Gentiles by faith. He preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. You know, uh, earlier this year, I, um, some of you remember my testimony of, during an end of year break. I, I traced my ancestry uh, on my mum's side and, and got back as far as the 1500s in England. And uh, quite, quite interesting, I thought, if I got that little bit further, I might even find that somewhere down the track I have a relative that was in the Crusades, you know what I mean, or, or something like that. But um, I, I got as far as the 1500s and I couldn't read the writing anymore because it was so old English writing, you could barely make it out. But, but it goes, um, you know, uh, uh, the thing we all need to see here today is that as Christians, our spiritual ancestry goes all the way back to Abraham, who was justified by faith. Our right standing with God is based on God's free gift of righteousness, modelled so well by Abraham 2,000 years before Jesus. Hallelujah. And it predates the law given to Moses. Our righteousness was never designed... and. If you take anything away, take this away today. Our righteousness, our right standing with God was never designed to be awarded to us because we keep the law or even do just a fairly good job at it. That's a takeaway. How important it is that we get our doctrine right. Because there are things out there, there are truths out there, that there are even attitudes out there that are based on a law-based righteousness. You know, your works is what's going to get you over the line. And I'm telling you today, it's not. When I visited the Ravensthorpe Newt Museum uh, down in the southwest earlier this year, uh, George Dance was my great-great-grandfather. He built the first cottage in the main street of town and uh, in 1901. And that was where uh, they'd set up the actual now... Museum. A part of the museum is my great-great-grandfather's first-built cottage, 1901. And I managed to get inside the door uh, because they were closed that day. We'd driven, I don't know, about three, four hundred kilometres <laughs> across uh, the southwest there to get there that day, so we could go in and have a bit of a look and. And uh, I managed to ring up and find the lady because I would close that day. And the lady said, well, I'll let you go in. We're just in here at the moment. So I went in and, and I just quickly pulled my phone out and started walking around the, you know, this place trying to find you know, some sense of uh, you know, my connection to that building and you know, taking photos and taking film. And, of course, I thought, well, I could get a look at those later. But I was just clicking away. But I, I was stunned uh, because on the wall was a picture of my great great grandfather George Dance and his wife, um, and and, uh, and and of course the the, the thing that I didn't realise at the time when I took the photo, but after I got it home and saw it, there was a distinct, uh, 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 in other words, he he was a splitting image of me, you know. It was like I was looking in the mirror, looking at my great great grandfather at that age, and um, you know. Uh, the, the thing is that that's a, a physical res- resemblance uh, of one of my ancestors down through the, uh, the generations. But take note of this spiritual re- resemblance that we attain to in Christ as sons and, and daughters of God is that we become Christ-like. Can you say amen? Spiritually, we become like Jesus. And I just want to tease that out a little bit and talk about that in the last few minutes that we had this morning. That's what we call the fruit of the Spirit. We become more and more like Jesus. When it's in manifestation, when we choose to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, you know, our spiritual resemblance to Christ is recognized by others. I tell you, when we walk in the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, there's an appeal to it, it's got an attraction to it. People wonder about it. It's one of the, you know, uh, uh, the, the truths that we need to walk in is that the fact is that the key enemy to Christ likeness is the flesh, the works of the flesh. It's one of the three enemies to the believer is the flesh. The first enemy is, is uh, the devil, the second one is the world, and the third one is the flesh. It's an enemy. And um, we want to recognize our enemies wherever we can, but the flesh wants to resurrect and live on. And when... As the scripture says, we need to crucify it. Crucify your flesh. Someone said, you know, keep it buried, face first, six foot down. So that when it tries to dig itself out, it only digs itself deeper. You know. As, as, as we should see, what... Uh, what the flesh looks like has been defined for us. So we can know when when that behaviour is there and we can know that we need to deal with it. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, that's quite a hard word, isn't it? But it's the truth and we need to preach it. Scripture is really clear here. If we continue in the works of the flesh we won't inherit the kingdom of God, okay? Whatever you do, uh, we've had an understanding this morning that uh, that we've been given the gift of righteousness, so we don't have to work for that. But we do need to continue to walk on in righteousness. Uh, I heard someone say one time, he said, well, you need to be upright in your righteousness. You have to be upright in that. And because it's a gift, you can't work for the gift of righteousness. It was given to us that right standing with God. But what we have to recognise, as much as we're not under the works of the law, we do need to say no to the flesh. We just want to talk about that just the last few minutes so we've got a little takeaway because some, this is where people get confused about the works of the flesh. and Well, I'm not under the law, but what about these works of the flesh? What do I do about those? Well, let's talk and see. You know, um, continued over time, the works of the flesh... Continued over time, you know, when we allow the flesh, excusing it, giving into it, saying stuff like, well, I'm a Christian, I'm just forgiven. Uh, that's, not the, that's not the way to overcome the flesh. It, it takes, uh, 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 if you continue with it, it takes a believer down the path of destruction. I like to think of the path of destruction as the pathway that the uh, prodigal son went on. He went away from his father's house. He, he took what, you know, inheritance he'd received, as we all receive an inheritance in Christ, and went away from his father's house. And he started to give himself over to the flesh. Now, uh, he was still his father's son. And you notice that he, his heart turned. He changed in his heart, and he went back to his father's house. And his father received him. In other words, he was still saved the whole time. But if we continue in the flesh, continue going down that track, you know, the enemy will come in, the second enemy will come in and start to lie and deceive. And before you know it, you're actually denying the Lord Jesus. And that's a lot more than the works of the flesh. That's just moving over into a place of actually denying him as your Lord and Saviour. And the enemy will try and get you to that place where you give up your faith i show you a few scriptures about that. We're not going to look at it today. But if you're interested in that, uh, in, in that understanding, let me know. And I'll certainly uh, I'll show you some of those verses as well. But Jesus said this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So it's that continuing in it, continuing in it, continuing in it. And that ha- slow but sure hardening of the heart. Mature sons and daughters have chosen to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're in the workplace, those that you work with should see Christ-likeness. They should see the fruit of the Spirit. When you get around others, uh, who, who, who should you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ see in you? What, what should they see in you, the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? I know that you all know the answer. Your old flesh or Christ-likeness? When something goes wrong, here's the question, when something goes wrong, doesn't go to plan, how do you behave? Total meltdown? Things getting chucked around? I have to go back a long time for those kind of outbursts. I did have them, but, uh, you know, where things would go flying and things would get broken. Just sheer anger. I have to go right back to my teenage years, I... I think I know why some of that stuff happened too. So not that I'm excusing it, but I, I think I know why some of that happened. But, you know, it's, it's a poor testimony for a Christian. And God's people need to do better than just making room for the flesh in their lives. Amen. Can I get an amen this morning? The flesh manifests in just so many different ways. Selfish ambition is listed there as a work of the flesh. It's listed among the works of the flesh. And um, I'll just read a short passage from Pastor Ann Edgar uh, from her August prayer uh, force letter. She's the pastor of the prayer um, uh, uh, down at Victory Life Centre in Perth. Victory Life Centre has just uh, had Pastor Billy Brim uh, with them for some uh, workshops, really powerful meetings. I think you can still get some of them on Facebook. But um, she said this. She says, I've had the word selfish ambition in my spirit for quite some time. It is the work of the flesh. Dr. Billy's final comments on completing her last session were that for our prayers to accomplish their purpose, it will be upon the degree to which the body walks in unity and love with one another, no compromises. Selfish ambition has no place in the church. Jesus is the head, and he raises, appoints, and backs his appointees. We walk in submission to the church authorities praying for our leaders without murmuring and complaining. You know, the flesh is so often manifest through our tongue, what we speak, what we choose to say, what we say and communicate to others. Let's make sure that we're those ones that are better and not bitter. Amen? Let that be a badge we wear. Let's clamp down on what we say. Let's find words that build up. And don't tear down. Can you say amen this morning? The key to overcoming the flesh is given to us in so... It's so simple, we so often miss it. It's actually there in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, there you go. If you just concentrate on walking in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, you know, if, if you're doing something else, you know, just, oh, well, just uh, uh, a good, just, you know, a, a mind control or something like that, you'll, you'll struggle. But the Bible is very clear. It says, walk in the Spirit. And, of course, it then goes on. What does that look like? What does Christ-likeness look like? Well, it's, we're given the answer. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering... It's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, verse 23, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who have Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. In other words, we've already got this going on on the inside of us. Let's walk that out. Let's be those people that, that are demonstrating that. Let's, let's be manifesting the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. In every circumstance, every situation, you know, there will be an opportunity for the flesh to rise up or for the, or for the Spirit to be on, on display. It's our choice. And it gets better because you, start, you, know, you, you, you then get into the habit of demonstrating the flesh uh, or get into the habit of demonstrating the Spirit. It's up to you. You choose. And it gets better as you start to demonstrate the, the spirit. The, fr- the reason that the flesh still gets an opportunity in your life is because, and I'll just say this, you haven't made a quality decision. It's because you haven't made that commitment to walk in the spirit. You see, it's a quality decision. You know, I would say it would be a really good uh, uh, step for some to take today is to just write out uh, uh, the fruit of the spirit. Write it out. Start to define what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. Find opportunities and occasions in your life where the fruit of the Spirit uh, uh, should be on display. Maybe some areas where it hasn't been. And start to just be real with yourself. They say that the, the first person you should be honest with is yourself. You know, just being honest with yourself and saying, hey, I'm not real good in this area. But you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop a workout routine, a spiritual workout routine and start to walk this out and get better in this area. I mean what's, what's, you know, what's your kryptonite, you know, what's, what's the area of your weakness? Work out what it is and start to walk it out, write it down and uh, uh, pray and ask the Lord to help you with it, you know. I tell you, he's very interested in you walking in the spirit and you being a great witness to those that are outside. And a quality decision is one that you'll not change your mind about. It's, you know, a a once and for all decision. I'm no longer going to behave and act and do what I've been doing and the way I've been behaving. Can I get an amen this morning? Look, I've gone five minutes over time. We've got lunch waiting. You're probably salivating, just smelling it coming out of the kitchen, I know. But, you know, that's the flesh, all right? So you have (laughs) have to put that down and, you know fast today, you know. <laughs> God bless you all. look, oh, Thanks as a, a, a word about fathering, you know, the Father's heart. We want to be a people that walk with the Father's heart. Amen. So why don't we just pray. Father, we, we again thank you for today, Lord God. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the entrance of your word that gives us light. Lord, let the truth, Father God that, that uh, um, uh, came today, Father God, live in us today. Lord, that we might be a people that step it out and walk it out. And Lord, above all, we ask that you order our steps. Lord, that we might walk into the bright future that you have for us. Lord, it's a, an eternal future, Lord God, that's bright before us, Father. And Lord, we thank you that you've got us on your pathway. And Lord God, that we'll refuse the pathway to destruction, Father. And Lord God, be that people that, that manifest your glory in this time and in this season, Father. And Lord, we give you all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Why don't we, um, why don't we go out with a song, uh, 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 Pastor Jun and, uh, and Saul. Uh, I just want to, uh, uh, we might just sing as well, but I just put an invitation out there to you. If, if you're here this morning and we've talked about some things that maybe are still a bit of a mystery to you, or you're still working through some of that, that's all good because that's what happens. But come and talk to us. We'd love to be able to pray with you. There's a prayer that we pray called the Prayer of Salvation. And that prayer is when we actually ask Jesus to come into our lives and, uh, and make his home in us. And, uh, and make himself real to us. And it happened to me uh, 40 years ago. I gave my heart to Jesus and he came in and made himself real to me. That's just a prayer away. And uh, if you're not walking in that close uh, uh, life, if you don't know, uh, if, if this um, life was over tomorrow, where you would go, come and talk to us. We'd love to be able to pray that prayer with you and uh, see you through to what we call salvation and, uh, and where God becomes real in your life and starts to show up. Amen.